0: Hello and welcome to the Behind the Artist podcast with Park West Gallery. I'm gallery director Morris Shapiro. If you'd like to view works of the artists I'm interviewing and learn more about them, please visit our podcast site with links to more content at parkwestgallery.com forward slash podcast.
1: International art dealer Park West Gallery is proud to present our new podcast series, Behind the Artist. Each episode will be talking to popular contemporary artists to learn the stories and inspiration behind their extraordinary artwork and fascinating careers.
0: Alison Lefcourt's journey in the art world is fascinating. Essentially self taught and untrained, she discovered the roots of her extraordinary dramatic, graphic, and punchy style, as she describes it, as a child. She's gone on to become one of the most successful contemporary pop artists working today and sought after by some of the world's most beloved brands, including Warner Brothers, Disney, Charles Schultz for Peanuts, and most recently, Lucasfilms for Star Wars imagery. In this segment, she discusses the development of her fascinating technique— Her feelings on the subject she paints, which, in addition to her licensed characters, include movie and TV celebrities, famous musicians, and homages to her favorite artists from art history. She also reveals her own take on pop art and the interesting influence of Andy Warhol, including an amazing anecdote about her personal connection to the Warhol family, which you're sure to enjoy. This is Behind the Artist, it's no frills, just real and deep conversation. I'm Morris Shapiro and I hope you enjoy this journey into the life and art of Alison Lefcourt. Alison, thank you so much for being on the program.
1: My pleasure.
0: It's great to have you with us today. I've only worked with you a few times and it's just been a delight. I love your work. It's just so strong and, and so uh, has so much authority to it. You are Extraordinary from the standpoint of the amount of time you've been a professional artist. You're 43 years old at this time of recording, and I know that's okay for me to say that because you signed all your paintings with a number next to them, and the number is the year that you finished the painting, how old you were when you finished the painting.
1: Only on my originals.
0: On your originals, okay, right. So I know you're 43 because we sold paintings today. You said (laughs) 43 (laughs) on them. But you started when you were like 15.
1: 17 was my first show in a gallery wow. but I always say I went professional right at my art expo uh, debut and what was that I want to say it was 94
0: right so you were in your 20s 19
1: 19
0: yeah now I remember you recounting a really interesting story you didn't uh, mention it at this event but last event we worked together about you being an art class and having an assignment yes. out to paint an animal. Yes. And you picked?
1: Let me expound on the project. Okay. It was fascinating. Um, it was seventh grade art. I'm in middle school. And the weekend over the weekend, the assignment, or the homework assignment for the weekend, bring in a picture of an animal. And a
0: photograph of an animal? Photograph yeah. of an animal,
1: a picture. Um, I was an avid National Geographic a member and I had tons and tons of reference material so I spent my weekend going through what animal will I choose <laughs> and as um, a dog lover I, ch- I didn't choose a dog but I chose uh, an animal that is an arctic fox but it looked like one of the dogs that I had had uh, it was white and fluffy and uh, arctic fox looking so I bring it into the classroom and Then the teacher starts to explain, what are we going to do with said photographs? And she starts talking about woodcuts and positive, negative, background, foreground, printmaking. You would probably call it like the art by destruction process.
0: Right, well, you're, you're carving away negative space. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so as she's explaining it to us, I realize that I will be carving most of my block (laughs) to make a white subject. (laughs) And so after she's finished explaining it, I went, uh, I raised my hand and I said, I would like to change my animal. Can I please make a tiger (laughs) or a zebra (laughs) or a giraffe (laughs) or something that would be uh, a little bit more, exactly. And she said, oh no, Uh, I you're going to do this. I want you to do this. And I said, but I don't understand because I'm going to be carving everything except two black eyes and a black nose. And she said, but there's so much more to the fur and there's direction in the fur and there's dimension in the snout of the fox's face. I think that you can really achieve that. And I said, but I don't understand. And the words that she used was clump the shadows. Mm. Now, That did not make any sense to me, but... And I went, huh? And I gave her that look, and she said, let me show you. And she basically uh, put a piece of tracing paper over the photograph that I had brought in, and she literally made a shape in the hair, in the fur of the fox. And I understood that to be the clumping of a shadow, and I successfully, I think... Uh, created that Arctic fox woodcut for the class. Fast forward a couple years later, I'm in high school with the project or the assignment to do a portrait. And you can do a portrait of anyone you want. So I, of course, needed to do Paul McCartney because I love the Beatles. And then I said, oh, when I started looking at Pictures of Paul McCartney and my favorite picture of Paul McCartney at the time, I was like, man, that's going to be really hard to do. How am I going to tackle that? People are so funny looking. We're, you know, we're, we are, we're made up of so many funny shapes. I said, I might try to plump shadows. the shadows. And that's sort of where my style cool. that uh, people have now recognized me for right. has come from. It has evolved over the years. Where it, Started out as just black and white. Uh, now I have black, white, and the gray.
0: I was going to ask you that. Well, yeah. First of all, do you still have the woodcut?
1: I, I don't have the block, but, but I do print. have the prints. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And how much has your work changed? You know, since that that time, how much has it evolved, and how has it evolved, and how much is it still similar?
1: Really good questions. I'm I'm not sure if I can explain it in audio as much as I could show yeah. it to somebody. Right. but what I could say is that when I look back at my early stylized self, although I recall being extremely proud of myself and enjoying and liking what I produced back then when I was a kid, today I look back and and think it's extremely primitive art. Mm-hmm. Um, I only used, one brush size it wasn't anything my lines weren't sharp my lines seemed to be quite wavy but what I focus on is very similar Mm -hmm. I tend to zoom in on faces and objects like a very dramatic look I still go graphic I still go punchy colors I still try and just get the essence of a person and I'm the type of person I want to bring out like the good I guess, <laughs> and not necessarily the flaws. Right. So I tend to, you know, help in the plastic surgery, and <laughs> people except Keith Richards because he gets every single <laughs> wrinkle <laughs> in his face.
0: <laughs> <And> deservedly so. <laughs> right. He earns them. Let's talk about your your grayscale because it's okay. a, it's a huge part of your work. So for our listeners that may not be familiar with that terminology, a value can be you know measured from white to black. And lots of you know subtle variations in between all uh, those grays. Right. How broad is your grayscale? Is it? Is It's it not. It's not. Okay. I it's use like four four scales, like four levels, two, three. No one. 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 Early Black scale. and white. Yeah.
1: And then a, a middle gray. A oh,
0: one middle gray. Just yeah. one middle gray. Just That's one middle a, gray. So it's just yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so the the white that I like is to get. Are we allowed to get? Technical and nerdy. That's
0: okay. Our listeners like that. Okay.
1: Um, titanium white.
0: Right. And you gesso first and you put titanium on top. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I gesso first just as a standard because right. sometimes if you get canvas, it doesn't, you know, you can buy canvas from a store or order it online and it can be pre gessoed but there's chemicals on it and it doesn't hold up. So I just, it doesn't matter where I get my canvases from. You gesso. Yeah. I gesso myself. Yeah.
0: Then you paint the whole canvas white?
1: Whole, whole canvas gets titanium white
0: great bright, bright, bright white
1: yeah, yeah it's as I know it to be it's a cool white
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the black that I use is a Mars black which is a cool black and the gray that I use is something that I mix not ev- for every piece but I mix you know a batch of it mm-hmm. not gallons and gallons of it but maybe I don't know I don't know how big the jar is maybe it's like 30 ounces or something. Mm-hmm. A blend right. and I try and just get a middle gray and I'm not trying to you know I, I hold it up to another gray like that's in the studio just to make sure I'm within the range but it's not there's not a formula mm-hmm. I can't just go and buy that gray although that would make my life so much easier <laughs> but no I, I mix my gray I don't grind my paints but I do mix my gray <laughs>
0: so that's it's fascinating though that you with just three tonalities you know you create yeah. so much graphical uh, power in your work it's amazing and it's instantly recognizable
1: thank you it's funny when people say that to me because I know what I do but some people when I only say that I use four colors in a typical painting right. they look at me very quizzically like
0: how could that be good
1: or what do you mean there's only yeah. four colors? Right.
0: Oh, they're looking at a painting saying, how can this only be four colors? Right, yeah.
1: because I guess how they see it, mm-hmm. it's it's full of color, but it's really not.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's almost like they're visually filling in the blanks, you know, they're completing the painting. In a way, but
1: yeah. that's what I need uh, an onlooker to do anyway, because there is so much interpretation in the placement of my shadows. Right,
0: right. Yeah. You you (laughs) love color at the same time. And I love color color at the same time. Yeah. So you pick a color, the surrounding color, typically they're, you know, the black, white, and gray, and then there'll be some dominant color with maybe some shadings of that color, but pretty much it's one dominant color that will surround the subject. How do you pick that color?
1: Uh, Sometimes it's super easy. Uh Let me get into, over the years, I've become a little bit more confident in my painting skills, and I've become into more blending of the colors. Someone today actually told me some of my backgrounds were very impressionistic. And I said, well, I'll take that as a compliment.
0: I'm sure it was. Yeah.
1: I don't think that <laughs> my backgrounds are anything <laughs> impressionistic at all. <laughs> um, but uh, as I always say, I just make it work for me. Right. I make it look the way I need it to look, however I have to get it done. Uh-huh. As far as choosing the colors, Depends on the subject matter. Let's use Frank Sinatra as a good example. If I'm painting Frank Sinatra, I tend to paint him in the blues because we call him old blue eyes. Mm -hmm. If I'm painting Lucille Ball, I tend to make her in the reds and the oranges because we always think of her as the redhead, Redhead. Mm -hmm. even though she's in black and white. Sometimes it's easy like that, and I want that mental recognition or perhaps it's just your association with the subject to be a certain color. Um, as you know, I painted Jimi Hendrix recently mm-hmm. and I, I always make him purple. purple.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's how I can choose. If I want to create a lot of energy and a lot of uh, drama, which I tend to like to do, uh, my favorite colors to use are reds and yellows. Mm-hmm and as i i don't have a lot of formal training at all but i do know that red and yellow are some of the strongest colors most emotional right they're also the most delicate for me to use as an acrylic painter who doesn't use mediums or anything like that
0: mm-hmm. what what do you mean by delicate
1: they're transparent so each layer of paint is you see you can see through it mm-hmm. so should a mistake happen or a blemish happen in between coats, I can't fix it.
0: Right. And your painting process is not fast. You take a long time with your paintings. I mean, they're not quick.
1: It, that's relative. I mean, I think I paint faster than some and right. slower than others. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you always do a preliminary sketch of your painting before you start painting like on the
1: canvas? In past years, no, mm-hmm. but... Um, I would say in the last ten years, yes. Yeah, it just
0: helps you with planning. planning it does. Position, yeah. And
1: pra- it's practice.
0: Yeah. And then you draw right onto the canvas. Right? I do. Yeah. What material do you draw with?
1: An ebony pencil. Ebony
0: pencil, really? <laughs> How about that? Nice. Yeah. So you draw the image completely, all the shadows, all the clumps. Yeah. And then you just go at it, and they're very yeah. articulate. You know, they're the very, very clear and very, very. Well, graphic.
1: I'm surprised that you would say that because I don't, I don't consider them super articulate at all. They're just really just notes to myself, more of the placement. Sometimes as I'm painting, I will change where things go. Sometimes I leave some of the shadows out as I'm progressing in the painting. I might think that, you know, that little shape on the cheek that I might put on is not necessary and I'll leave it out. And sometimes I say, oh, well, I need to add in, in some areas, Hair, for instance. Mm -hmm. I can get lost in people's hair. (laughs) I was
0: looking at, uh, was it the Johnny Depp painting? No, no, it was the. Uh, One of the other figures, it might have been the Johnny Depp painting. One of the, oh no, it was the Jim Morrison painting. Oh yeah. The painting of Jim Morrison, and the hair was amazing. That wavy, you know, curly, long, wavy mane. That's what he was all about, right? And (laughs) you articulating all those little lights and shadows in the hair, just in black and white, was like and gray. And gray was like, wow, that was really intense. Thank you. So those that aren't familiar with Ali's work, uh, it's extraordinary that it was so little bit of material you can convey so much information. And that beautiful idea of the less is more, you know, that, that really good artists can take a limited number of variables and extract as much as possible from them. Picasso talked about that. He said that, you know, if you can use 10 elements, use five. Hmm. If you're good with five elements, use three. Wow. Because then you'll be able to extract as much as possible from those three elements or five elements as opposed to using all of them in, in your paintings. And that you're like a walking mm-hmm. example of that. You know, you pull off these amazing, wow. strong, powerful paintings with just a limited amount of, of material. Let's talk about your subjects. Uh, a okay. big part of your work, obviously. And we can talk about pop art. I'd like to get your take on what pop art is to you, means okay. to you. I'd like to get your take on Warhol. To me, okay. Warhol's a very controversial figure, okay, from many standpoints. But I'd love to have your at your your overall feeling about what pop art is, what it means to you, and your influences.
1: So pop art to me is, it's. I think it's for me generational. I think pop art is extremely important in my generation, which would be the X generation. Um, because of all of the media that surrounds, it makes sense. I have never really been into landscapes or any other genre of art. I've just, for whatever reason, always been attracted to the face and people. And over the years, it's become a portrait of a Converse shoe, a portrait of a Crayola Crayon, a portrait of a Campbell soup can, as an homage to Mr. Warhol. So, pop art to me is whatever is relevant to me, and because it's just of the world and of our regular everyday lives, to me that's popular. And so, therefore, pop
0: art. Do you have a, whole, a backlog of subjects in your mind that you want to paint? That you haven't got I show to you yet? a
1: list on my iPad. Wow. Oh, I'll never run out of subject matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah and there's things that you just see time. and you
0: go, I gotta paint that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it goes on the list.
1: Yes, yeah. it goes on the list. It, sometimes it sits on my list for a long time and then I'll have an opportunity or like just that divine inspiration. I'm like, <laughs> it has to happen right now. <laughs> it's an itch that you can't scratch. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, like we were at dinner the other night and someone said something to me and I was like, you know what, like I really gotta get that done too. I gotta, I wanna try that. So. Yeah, it, it comes from all over the place. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk about Warhol. The um, obvi- the obvious, I guess, uh, definitive pop artists when we think of pop art, we think probably of Warhol and Lichtenstein are probably the most yeah. appropriate. You know, what aspects of Warhol's work do you find are the most influential to you?
1: I I struggle talking about Andy Warhol in an educated manner because I'm not. I I've never really read a book about him. I just kind of know what the mainstream is. I've seen the movies, I'm interested, I'm fascinated, and I love his art. And obviously I'm influenced by it, but I've never taken a class. I, have, I, I don't know that what I know about Warhol is, you know, credible information necessarily. But um, what I do know is that my process and Andy's process are very different But our subject matters are the same. But as I've learned, being out in the world and exposing myself to other artists, all the pop artists, we kind of all do, we all work from the same reference material. We all get the same ideas. I I don't know a pop artist who hasn't painted Marilyn Monroe. I know that for Andy, he was one of the first to do it. And I think that he had that, that artistic look And personality, he was very eccentric, and it's funny because um, as I was able to share with our group, um, I got a backstage view of Andy Warhol because I'm collected by the family.
0: So you met them?
1: Yeah, met them. them.
0: Events? Yeah. How did it transpire?
1: I, you know, I didn't know who they were at the time, but. They introduced themselves as such. I recognized the name they used. I asked, I said, are you family? And he said, yes, Andy was my uncle. I'm his nephew. And, um, man, I was like, are, are you serious? And then I was afraid that maybe they would say things because I have gotten people who are very upset with me and they tell me that I'm a knockoff of Warhol. Uh-huh. And I just think to myself, well, you obviously don't really know Andy Warhol's work at all. And I don't think that I'm a knockoff of Andy Warhol either. I'm not sure that Andy would even think that um, I'm a knockoff of him. I think that in a way he has to be sort of proud that, you know, we're all carrying on (laughs) this. carrying
0: on the tradition. That's what
1: I kind of feel. Yes. Um, I don't know. But it was a really interesting experience for me to go to the foundation with Donald and hear his... You know, how Andy was just his uncle. Right. Uncle Andy. Yeah. And that all of the things that we, me, as an outsider or a, you know, like... I was 11 when he died. Right. So I didn't yeah. have a clue yeah. who he was back then. That he was just, just kind of like, you know, goofy Uncle Andy. And the things that he said, like, I paint with the cheapest materials possible or whatever. Those were just things that Andy would say because... Uncle Andy was a cheapskate. (laughs) Uncle Andy really believed that. And it was just who Uncle Andy was. And I'm sure that there is another side that Donald probably doesn't know (laughs) necessarily, but one of the funny stories that uh, he shared with me was when he was graduating high school, his Uncle Andy had said, do you want a painting for a graduation present? And at the time he was Donald was so into his his Levi jeans. He said, "You know, Uncle Andy, I really just want a pair of Levi jeans." <laughs> well, <That's laughs> guess what he, he got. got? Yeah, Levi <laughs> jeans. Yeah, so it's funny because even now, like I think even for my family, and they they want they love the art, and they want the art, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to make sure that they don't ask for the Levi jeans. I'm make make sure that that they're uh, taken care of.
0: <laughs> so you, you actually went to the factory? You went like backstage to the factory and the foundation and the whole yeah, deal? Yeah,
1: at the museum.
0: Wow, that's so cool.
1: Yeah. But
0: for you, that was like really an amazing it was kind experience. Of, it yeah. was kind of really neat. Yeah. I know that you have a lot of work with uh, philanthropy, and you do a lot of stuff for charities. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Well, back in when I first started, one of the things that my parents instilled in me was the idea of giving back to the community and obviously when you're just starting out and even like a teenager my wallet didn't necessarily afford great philanthropy but my talent perhaps could and so I um, started to just get involved actually Romero Brito was probably the man who uh, took me under his wing in a sense and introduced me to the uh, best, buddies best buddies organization uh, yeah. when did you
0: first meet brito
1: when i first met him when i was a youngster i don't know i was probably a teenager when i first met him but not that was not in a that was in a i love your artwork type of mm-hmm. way but the first time i met him on a professional ground was at my first art expo
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, obviously i knew who he was i grew up in miami uh, where he was so his art was all yeah, over
0: he's ubiquitous in oh, the yeah. absolutely oh yeah and he saw your work and really liked it right
1: i i like to think that yeah, yeah i mean yeah. enough that he said your art needs yeah. to be seen right. let me yeah. let me see what i can help you with all and right. so best buddies was really a, a cool way and i remember we we went to several gala events together with the organization and you know i remember him standing holding my my arm, we were arm-in-arm arm while my first pieces were auctioned off and like I didn't know what that felt like and he's like just close your eyes it's okay. Um, but he put me in front of a lot of people that I wouldn't necessarily be in front of and so for that I mean yeah. those organizations were amazing uh, for exposure for young artists not just because I was able to make it make a difference
0: Right. Right. Um, and
1: someone liked my art enough to
0: yeah. help support. Well, it's so, so nice that uh, an artist of, you know, burrito stature would be yeah. interested in, you know, mentoring a young artist and bringing yeah. them along and, you know, taking time to do that.
1: It's know? something I'll never forget, yeah. and, I yeah. mean,
0: extraordinarily yeah. grateful for He's it. just a wonderful man. Yeah. So, Best Buddies, I know you have an affiliation with a, some animal rescue, like a dog? A yeah, rescue, some something. Sort
1: of I got involved, and I want to do more, with a certain organization that is called Canine Companions for Independence. And I learned of them because one of my collectors had a service dog from CCI. And I learned, I traveled with her, I traveled with the dog, his name is Travis. And I learned so much from Dr. Ellen and Travis that i said well man i i want to serve i don't want a service dog but i want a service dog they're incredibly trained dogs and she said you know they don't all make it and i said what do you mean she's like there's like a reject list and i said huh i gotta get on that but I, what i learned is that these dogs go through intense college training mm-hmm. and that they're paired up to make such differences in people's lives Uh, Like Dr. Ellen and I want to do more with them. I've painted uh, her service dog Travis Painted another dog uh, that we're affiliated with and I Send monetary stuff, but I want to do some art with them and that that is something I'm gonna look forward to doing in the future.
0: That's great. You have a dog
1: Yes, I have two at the moment. Okay. Yes Uh They're my kids. Of I course. Love them. Yeah. They're
0: all our kids. Yeah. We all have dogs. They? Yeah. They're, they're our kids. Or yeah. Most of us like dogs better than people.
1: There's that funny t-shirt. <laughs> the more people I meet, the more I love my dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I know that you have an astonishing number of licenses, which is a big part of your work. And it's unusual to run into an artist who has as many license opportunities as you do. So take us through how that developed and tell us about some of the amazing licenses that you currently hold.
1: So the licensing thing came up because uh, someone came to me at my very first art expo show and said, can you paint Tweety Bird? And I said, I think I need a license for that, but I could paint it. And they said, well, we're Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. And so Warner Brothers was really the first uh, license that I had. And I was able to explore the Looney Tunes in a way that I, it was different. It was a different subject than just creating celebrity faces. But Warner Brothers was, for obvious reasons of, the movies and Hollywood stuff that they were also interested in that's what they were originally uh, coming to me for for like my Humphrey Bogart for my Betty Davis for my Audrey Hepburn, Marilyn Monroe like all the old Hollywood Wizard of Oz even and then the Looney Tunes but the Looney Tunes made me have to take a two dimensional line drawing essentially Mm. see it three dimensional but paint it two two-dimensionally yeah. with my shapes and shadows mm-hmm. to make it dimensional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that took me a little while. And if I were to show you some of my early uh, Looney Tunes pieces, it would be very different than the ones that
0: you're you painting know. now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: They're a big part of your, your collection still. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, I think I think they're you know they're favorited for a reason, Uh and then Disney came along, and Disney has a huge, vast archive. Oh yeah, Uh, yeah. I've still not painted all of those characters, but
0: and how did the Disney thing occur?
1: Similarly, there was one year I was on Fifth Avenue. I was in the Warner Brothers store, the Disney store, MTV, VH1, (laughs) all on Fifth Avenue, on (laughs) all different. Subject.
0: <laughs> and the, were they selling paintings or paintings? Prints? Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then recently, the famous Lucas Films, yeah. Star Wars. Super that's exciting! Huge. Oh, yeah. it's
1: it's incredible. And I've only just started. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really neat. How did that happen?
1: Through my publisher, and I'm assuming it was I was chosen to be one of a few artists in a small group to. Uh, do fine art for Lucasfilms and the art of Star Wars and I think I have a unique take on it I, I mean Star Wars is so, it's all about imagery and you can think about the planets and the galaxy that they exist in and there's so many of the, you know, the spaceship fights and I mean but it's also very much character driven and plot driven that like that's what I tend to focus on are the characters and obviously one of the first pieces i ever did was darth vader it had to be like <laughs> he's the ultimate villain i yes. think and
0: lots of black too lots of black <laughs>
1: but one of the few paintings of mine that has a black background uh, right. yeah i uh-huh. can count maybe two or three others that have it but yeah and it's it's just so much fun, but they're also a labor of love because they're so detailed oriented and they have all of these gadgets and things to their costumes and guns and jet packs and buttons and <laughs> stuff. I got to make sure that I do it right because, Absolutely. unlike any other license, the Star Star Wars nerds. Yes.
0: They'll call you out.
1: They will call me out. And I am a little nerdy about it, but not as much. So I actually have a guru that I kind of run things by because I need to make sure that my perspective, let's say if I'm painting a a destroyer versus a TIE fighter ship, that size-wise it makes sense. The proportions correct,
0: yeah. Uh
1: Um, Any... and I'll also run by, him. and he's just a, you know, he's a super nerd about it. Mm. He's not anyone who has a name tag who works under George Lucas or anything like that. He's just a good friend of mine that's like super into Star Wars. So I just call him my Star Wars guru and I say, hey, what do you think of this? He's like, I love it. Or I think it should be this or maybe think about that character.
0: You did a great yeah. Yoda. We had an awesome oh, thank you. last event. It was really cool. And so we have uh, Sesame Street, right?
1: Well, yeah, the Muppets. The
0: Muppets, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's different. I, well, I, I guess... I get them confused. They, they sort of came out of Sesame I think Street, but then they became their own thing, yeah. So the Muppets. Yeah. I saw those for the first time today. They're fantastic.
1: I hadn't seen them in a long time, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's Thank really cool. You. And Charles Schultz and Peanuts yeah. Yeah. is one of your most recent licenses, right? Yes. Yeah, that's exciting.
1: It, it can be very exciting. We're just at the beginning of that, uh, getting that done.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. I can see now, you know, without all your licenses, that it would be really hard to decide what to paint next. Like, we're talking about how many, you know, images you have on a list that you want to get to. Yeah, but again, it's that
1: sometimes it's like, I got to get that done. Right. And I'll
0: just do it. Yeah, well, that's a good yeah. thing. Except I'm—I
1: I'm, know I'm going to be quite busy painting, so. Yes. Yeah, I—I I don't have time to think about what to paint. I just got to paint.
0: Got to paint. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have lots of events scheduled for the next year, so I'm we're, super we're excited, excited about that. You're—you're you're excited, but you're probably also going wow. Right? Yep. I really got to work hard now. I got to get in the studio. It's true. So the last thing I'd like to talk about is your mom. Your parents, and yeah, yeah. It, and my
1: dad. We can't leave yeah, him out. Well, but your but parents, yeah. Yeah, your mom, my mom,
0: mom's a big part. Yeah, and every time you speak, I've heard it three times now. You talk about your parents and your mom's a big part of yeah. who you are and and why you're successful. So, I uh, think so, tell us, share with us that that part of your life and uh, what a wonderful story uh, you have there to share.
1: Yeah, I don't have a tragic story to tell. I was very fortunate, blessed. I have amazing, loving parents who supported me in my in my whim, I guess, to be myself. But actually, I think that they kind of just encouraged me to be myself. And when I needed to leave school or wanted to leave school, they said, "Okay." And they knew that I would figure it out on my own. But I think I think that they were ninety-nine percent of my success, especially at the beginning, because I didn't have to worry about paying rent, I didn't have to worry about, you know, living. All I had to worry about was painting.
0: And... a luxury.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That is what helped the most. And obviously them saying, you can do this. We believe in you. And also, at that pivotal moment when they said, we want to know if you're viable in the world versus just our little town, to be able to say it's okay if you're not, it doesn't mean that you can't paint anymore. It just means... Let's you'll take
0: a shot at this. Yeah. 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 So and they,
1: they always believed that I could go back to school if I wanted to, right. but let's strike while the iron is hot, so to speak. And so I did.
0: And so the... Gave you the resources for your first start expo. Yeah, right. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of like if this this make this kind of the turning point, right? Let's check out the actual so. thing and see what happens. I
1: call it my. I call it my, my pivot point, for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, and you had a very successful show, and that was it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like you painted in your, your parents' house for a while, didn't you? Well, that's and where you, I lived. <laughs> <laughs> you painted, like, in the, in the dining room or something?
1: I <laughs> painted wherever I... Yeah, I, in the living room, essentially. <laughs> my bedroom was probably quite messy, so <laughs> didn't want to faint in there. Right. And I, paint, I painted on a very large scale. Right. So um, the living room seemed like it had you know some good light and all that and that's where the whole acrylic paint happened because my mom says no smellies no smelly fumes or anything like that okay. um, I think for a while I might have even moved out into the garage to uh, take over that space and, and,
0: and you and your mom negotiated one of your first contracts right or sort of negotiated it
1: yeah negotiated in quotes <laughs> she turned them down in fact <laughs> Tell that story. Uh, when Disney called.
0: Oh, so it was call, Disney was like the biggest, you know, like well, license in the world, probably.
1: Disney has gone through its own uh, shape shifting and different, uh, different little sections of Disney dealt with different art projects, and every deal was different for me with Disney. Okay. But back at the beginning, I was dealing with one person and one little section of, let's say, Disneyland. And. Uh, he had called, and all I had all I had heard was the one-sided conversation of what my mom said on the phone, which essentially came down to, Allie would be happy to paint the ten paintings that you want, but I want to know how she's going to get paid. And when they said, well, she might not get paid if they don't sell, and she said, well, then I can sell them myself here. And no, you can't do that because you're not a licensed vendor. My mom's like, how could you possibly ask a 21-year-old, you know, starting out artist trying to make it in the world to paint for free. You know, this is her profession. This is what she wants to do. You don't need to impress us with big numbers just just by one. And that was it. And I remember hearing essentially that. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I was so excited to have, you know, as most artists are, we're eager. We All we want to do is please people with our art and You know, that's the best, most rewarding thing is for someone to say, I like it. (laughs) Especially Disney. (laughs) Especially. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And my mom said, no. She's like, if they want it, they're going to pay for it.
0: So she hung up and said no? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: about, I think, like maybe six or eight months later, uh, they came back. And she said, if they're going to come back, they'll come back and they'll buy what they want. And then they did. And I've never looked back since.
0: (laughs) Wow. So your your mom... Yeah, right. (laughs) Manage your mom.
1: Yeah, I think you know, and it was a principle for her, and I and I understand it today so much more than back then. Right, right, right. Yeah,
0: your parents must be very proud of you.
1: If you ask my mom, she would say that she was very proud for me.
0: For you, yeah, uh huh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, well, it's so yeah. great to have that kind of support. Yeah, as a young person coming up, yeah, especially an artist, you know, yeah. such a difficult and challenging and courageous field, as we all know. So you said you're a kid at heart. I heard you say that. What does that I mean? I am.
1: Well, I'm just kind of a goof, and I like. I mean, the things that I like are. I mean, I love going to Disney World, and it's not because they pay the bills, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I just really like it. I I watch cartoons. You know, I also do adult things. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I like to consider myself young. I know I keep getting older, but I like to consider myself young. And I feel like some of my pop images are very nostalgic, not just to me, but even to people my parents' age, mm-hmm. perhaps even older. That's what I like to paint. It. it I find it inspiring. I like it. So...
0: Well, your work that's is it's, your work is vivacious. That's, Thank that's you. That's a good word for it. You know, and it has a youthful feeling, a youthful Thank spirit you. to it, youthful energy. I love too.
1: how you describe things. It yeah. makes it sound
0: so important. Thank you. That's just, <laughs> those are the words that I come up with. Yeah, that's uh, what I see. Thanks so much for taking time to be oh, with us. I appreciate us. it. Thank really, you. Really enjoyed our conversation. If you're not familiar with Ali's work, you can see it on her website, right? Mm-hmm. Which yes. is
1: AllisonLeftcourt.com.
0: And you'll see much of it forthcoming on the Park West website as well, which is parkwestgallery.com. And we're looking so forward to our next exhibitions and shows with you. And uh, I can't wait until we're you know years down the road we look back at these times and remember when we first started working right? together. Right, <laughs> I much can't wait. Fun it's been yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you so much. So thanks again, Allie, and uh, make sure you check out her work, everybody. It's really something special.
1: Thank you for listening to Park West Galleries Behind the Artist. To learn more about Parkwest Gallery's family of artists, visit us online at parkwestgallery.com or follow us on social media. You can subscribe to Behind the Artist on your favourite podcast app and be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes.